together in the storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. This is episode 99. One way away from episode 100. You last heard us in October, the Halloween episode for the 1980s film Demons set inside a movie theater. But in this episode, we are going to scream our way through it because we are going to be talking about the Scream franchise and that new film, Scream, rebooted. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the host with the most, the, the, the other, the other killer to, uh, we're, we're a killing Ooh. duo here. Yes. Uh, yeah. Preston Barta, how are you? I'm doing well. So I feel like we're crawling to this hundredth episode in the past four years or five years, however long we've been doing it. <laughs> um, so it's nice that we're uh, we're going to a franchise that's very dear to our hearts. It's my fir- uh, the first movie, first Scream movie was my first rated R movie that I really, saw. yeah. yeah uh, I think. God, I was. Well, we'll talk about it soon. Uh, the, the scream, this the scream franchise, and what it all means to both uh, of us. I was six. What were you like, thirteen? No, I was sixteen or seventeen because that came out in what nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. So yeah, I was fifteen or sixteen or something like that. So, uh, but I definitely remember the first time I saw it, and I remember who I was with and where I saw it. So uh, mm. it was uh, pretty spectacular. Uh, yeah, we're my bloody podcast. We're still going, you know, we, we, we have so much stuff going on these days. So excited. Uh, could, can we tell them the news Preston about, yeah. yeah? Well, sure. you, do you want to tell them? No, you go for it. Okay. So, you know, for the last like decade, I've been writing for a site called high def digest, you know, cover, uh, Blu-rays and 4K releases, theatrical stuff, and also uh, high-def equipment for the last 10 years. And it just so happens that over the last week, Mr. Preston Barta himself has joined the high-def digest team. And I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm joining the Blu-ray Avengers <laughs> this is very true. The Blu-ray Avengers, the 4K uh, Justice League. We're going to get both in there, but I'm very happy because, you know, you know, years ago when Press and I kind of first started this and when everybody started getting Blu-rays and 4Ks, it just... I think Preston and I just, and our, and our good friend, James Cole Clay, just, 
we became just rain men, just idiot savants about Blu-rays <laughs> and 4Ks. Like it just became an obsession. And now it's just like, oh, it's wall to wall in our homes, Blu-rays, yeah. 4Ks, art, you know, steel books. And now even with Preston, VHS tapes coming back, uh, you know, we love physical media and I'm just happy that Preston is coming aboard. Me too. I, uh, cause the only thing that I really do with these Blu-rays right now is just share the artwork, which is what I love, which is what I tend to focus on when I cover these. I, lo I love the packaging. I love the artwork. And so all I do is just share it on my Instagram and every once in a while, I feel enough, mo there's enough motivation there for me to actually put pen to paper and write an article. And so now I'm glad that this really just kind of forces me to do it. I've been wanting a, a home to do that. And so I'm really glad that I'm being welcomed into y'all's team's loving arms. Yeah, it's very excited. And uh, it's going to it's gonna be super fun for sure. Get really into the meat and the bones of that. Uh, and also... Press and I are part of the Critics' Choice Association and awards will be live on television uh, very soon, uh, allegedly March 13th. You can watch it on CW and TBS on that night. But there's a couple things that, you know, horror-wise, we want to bring up that should be in the awards thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, are we just going to say, like you said a little earlier, malignant <laughs> across the board? Like, because that really was one of the most fascinating and best horror movies in a long time. It's like the kitchen sink of horror movies. Best backwards actor award. For sure. <laughs> right, right. I just feel like James Wan, uh, who directed Malignant, also saw and conjuring one and two but also aquaman you're just kind of like man he put all the stuff he likes in movies into this one movie it's like john wick it's like three stooges silly it's actually horrifying and terrifying in parts and then it's action it's like wow i love this movie so much and how do you not like this movie i don't get it yeah i don't either like i i think that was the I, when i put out my list my top 15 because I always have a hard time narrowing it down to 10. I usually at the bottom after I get through those 15 start doing some more fun categories and I have like one that's literally the most fun movie of the year and I'm pretty positive I put that as number one just because my wife and I just didn't know what to expect because with James Wan there, it either goes really goofy or it gets really scary and serious like the Conjuring movies. But then as you go along, they get a little more goofy and fun. I mean, Insidious 2 is probably the best example of like how goofy uh, it can get. And it can have this complete tonal change in like a alien to aliens kind of fashion. And so uh, this one with Ma Malignant, uh, it was, we were just laughing we're thrilled and we just had such a great time that I think that was the most most fun best horror movie of last year for me so agreed um, agreed because when you watch Malignant and you see the trailer and you hear James Wan like conjuring one and two and like okay I know what I'm gonna get when I go into this and at first at first look in the first you know 30 minutes it's very moody it's atmospheric it's horror 
there's some genuinely scary moments. Where is it going? And then you're just like, oh shit, this just got violent John yeah. Wick style. And then it's like, oh, well, that was silly. Oh shit. A reveal that is just so insane and crazy. It makes every bit of sense and no sense at all at the same time. And this just turned into the best movie in the world. Yeah. <laughs> And how and how a director can do that and still make a great movie? Oh, kudos to James Wan. I hope that uh, there's like this collector's edition that's put out to where because they've been very he's pr- kind of protected his process for making that film and like what is true feelings because I have so many questions. I want to know: Did you intentionally make this kind of movie where it's like kind of bad but good at the same time you know what i mean so it has like this tipping of the hat to be horror movies from back in the day and it just uh I, I don't know whether it's like this person's a bad actor but is it did they mean for that i don't know it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like i haven't seen the new matrix movie but there's so there's so many things that i've heard about it where and even the new scream movie where it does certain things where it's like is it man it's like really plugged into what it's almost like critic proof in a way like they thought of it so i don't know it's very strange experience but so much fun yeah i'm very much looking forward to all the comic book conventions coming up and hopefully somebody goes as the malignant (laughs) and i can't wait to see all the pictures like the worst ones and the best ones like the studio accurate ones and the homemade ones texas frightmare end of april i hope to see it if not we gotta do it yeah if not if we don't see malignant at texas frightmare we riot (laughs) (laughs) so uh malignant was there anything else last year that you know we would want to, because obviously we know what the nominations are for Critics' Choice and sure. not really any horror in there. But if we want, if, if it were up to Preston and I, my bloody podcast, what other horror would there be besides Malignant 2021 style? Um, I'm trying to think back through. I mean, there's there's some technical achievements with the new Candyman that I thought right. was good, like the way that was shot, the score, especially. I think the score should have been nominated straight up. I really love that score. I, I, it's supposed to be having, I think, Waxwork, maybe. They did the, the vinyl release of it. Right, and I right. Should, should be having that sometime pretty soon. Yes. Um, so I'm really stoked about that. I really liked uh, Patrick Bryce's uh, There's Someone Inside Your House. Yes. Um, that was a fun one that kind of captured the scream spirit um i wasn't a big fan of last night in soho did you like that one right i did really like that one i loved it i would technical achievements for sure even acting wise for last night in soho uh Uh, old that one was fun too in a malignant kind of way too it was so old i think is m night's scariest movie for the fact that it shows an element that everybody experiences in real life growing old, but just at a rapid rate. Yeah. And not only the physical characteristics of getting old, but the mental stuff like having uh, the dementia and stuff like that uh, being on set and happening within a span of a few hours. And that was 
terrifying. Yes, yeah. you know, his big reveal, M. Night Shyamalan twist. I actually really enjoyed it because I think it was like pretty cool. But yeah, there's silly moments to the movie, but I genuinely enjoyed that. And I thought it was scary just because, oh my God, I can't imagine getting old within the span of a day. Like that would suck. Yeah, it's that emotional journey throughout because time there's, you know, like right now, especially as a father, you start thinking about those things. Uh, time doesn't, I think I've said this before on this podcast, like time feels the most real when you have a child because you can see what three years actually looks like on a child's face versus your own, um, especially in this kind of in between, like this part of our life when we're in our middle, approaching our middle ages where uh you just don't see too much of a, a big change within yourself. And so with something like that, when like parts are starting to fail you and uh, you're dying on the beach with your loved one, uh, man, that it's, he, he struck an emotional chord that was genuinely terrifying. So I think just that emotional aspect that he brings to it made it uh, a more impactful film, even if it is a bit goofy. Um, so I don't know. He balanced it pretty well. And I, I know that that movie's pretty split down the middle in terms of people who like it and don't like it, but it, it, it was what I was wanting out of it. Good, so. good deal. And what was the, the movie? Um, was it the house, the hell the, the last house, or it was with the girl whose husband died and she was in her house and she starts hearing things and seeing spooky things. Oh, what was that movie called? Seeing things. I can't remember the name of the movie. I'm trying to remember it, but it came out last year and I really loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it, but it didn't get nominated for an, anything though. I was, was it the last, it's not the last house. Someone's in the house. I can't remember, but it's fantastic though. Hmm. I can't think of what it, what it is. Um, and then uh, real quickly, I guess you could say Titan was a horror movie in some regards, in terms of like the psychological journey that you go on. Uh, Lamb, Lamb was pretty fucked up. Lamb was so good. And it's so hard to categorize that movie because it's a great movie about parenting, but it's also dramatic. It's sad. It's comedic. And it's horror. Immerse. It's, it's yeah. immersive because it's like it has a certain pace to it. Like there's even like really long shots on a tractor where it like kind of puts you through the procedures that this family goes through to survive where they are. And then you just kind of get pulled into why they want a child and why it to- makes total sense as to why they would keep this lamb child. Right. Um, and then where it goes by the very end. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. So. No, so yeah, that. it's crazy. It, I, I, that was one of my top three movies of the year. I love that movie. I Land. just, right before we started recording this, uh, A24 made their Blu-ray 4K exclusive, like the, where they put it out. Yeah. You can go on A24shop.com and they have, I don't know how many copies they're selling, but um I would I would snag it. I, I snagged it right before here just because they put out these really beautiful releases, even though it's really awkward to put on the shelf because they're they're so long. They're like books. Um, yeah, because I have the Midsommar one. Yeah, the Midsommar one is awesome. Uh, their Krisha one is more normal size. So it's got this criterion appeal to it where 
it's a lot of like hand drawings. It's very simple. So it's, they're, they're cool, cool releases. No, that's, that's, it's the good stuff. For, Brian's buying it right now. I absolutely uh, <laughs> am buying it right now. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, I need this in my life so badly. <laughs> okay. So, so while you're purchasing that, I'll roll through really quickly what else uh, came out last year that I wanted to note uh, horror wise. Uh, so the, there was the Fear Street trilogy. I really enjoyed all of them. I think the first one is definitely the best. Uh, it It's a great, uh, like pairs well with the Scream franchise. Uh, has that 90s, cause it's set in 94, has that nice 90s feel to it with good music, uh, some, some good needle drops, but you could argue that it has a lot of needle drops, but um, it just has that nice fun energy where you enjoy hanging around hanging out with the characters and then it has it handles the the slasher genre and kind of works with uh what we expect from it quite well it makes it fresh and unique so that one was fun uh the second one which takes place in the 70s was uh, it's okay um i challenged that one a little bit more just because the first hour or so i was a bit bored with it um, the characters weren't quite as engaging and compelling as the first one was. And then it kind of settles into this uh, what the fuck space that's pretty nice and pleasant. Um, great stabbing sequence by the end of it where it's like Zodiac <laughs> level where I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, so, and then the third one, when it takes place in the 1600s, goes back to like the Salem witch area, uh, witch era. Um, was quite fun. Um, I think the language, they handled the language quite well. And then uh, the back half of it goes back to the 90s. So it kind of, so I think it overall, it was a pretty sweet um, trilogy. And I hope Netflix does more stuff like that because uh, it's nice when it's just, uh, you got all these like mini series and single movies that release, but when it's like a planned event, because it was an event, they each released like a week of each other, two weeks or so. And so it was just like, all right, Friday night, we're watching this. Next Friday night, we're watching this. Um, so I think it was every two weeks, but yeah, it, it just was this really awesome horror movie event. Uh, what else did we have? Seance. Um, that one was a quiet release. I feel like nobody watched that. And it was from uh, Simon... What? what's his last name simon barrett oh yeah he did he was the writer of uh the guest in your next and uh so he directed this movie he wrote and directed it and it has like this uh the craft kind of feel to it Ooh. and it's the way that it's shot is like it's very composed everything's very carefully done and it if, i don't know if they shot it on film probably not but it looks like it was. And so the mood of that one was really sweet. So whenever somebody's asking me for a new horror movie that's come out recently, I, I, I'll say that one. I think it okay. was, a, I think that one's worth checking out. Um, awesome. So that was Seance. Uh, I think that's about it. I'm looking through. Uh, oh, real quickly, the the Woodlands, um, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. I've also mentioned Ooh. this one before. Yes. So just a three, four hour long uh, documentary exploration of the, the folk horror genre. And it's just like, that's the ultimate. If you ever want to know about the history of folk, uh, folk horror, um, that 
that that's yeah that's the ultimate viewing so it just goes through it quite well breaks everything down um and then you just see all these ties to things like you get to see where the the the, the threading like the the needle going through everything and where it all started so that one was quite good man why hasn't ken burns done folk horror documentary series right yeah <laughs> that'd be awesome that'd be so good and when when did that come out I saw it in March because it played at South by and then um, Severin did a physical media release of it that was kick ass. Uh, you can go on my Blu-ray dad Instagram and you can find it or look it up. Um, just like it's like this thick um, and they got like they got like set I want to say 17 folk horror movies on there so it's got like some of the movies that you can't find anywhere and so because they mention a lot of them throughout and i was like man i've never heard of that but that sounds awesome i want to check that out so you, the documentaries included and then you can watch like 17 other uh, folk horror movies so that was badass and if you have shutter it's on shutter right now so you can watch the documentary on there and i think you can watch a handful if not more than that of the folk horror movies that they mention on there like nice, the beyond, nice, nice, nice. Beyond and things like that. So with that, we're going to get into some movies that are coming out in 2022. But before we get to that, uh, Sundance is happening right now, right? Yes. And yes. Preston has seen a couple of the horror movies, I think, for Sundance. Yeah. Is there anything that is going to blow people away horror-wise? Yeah, there's one in particular that it was the second or third movie I saw at Sundance. So I saw nine total. And uh, this one, I gave five stars. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't I didn't give, uh, I may have given two last year, two or three. But of the movies that I saw last year that I gave five stars, none of which were, uh, were horror, uh, unless you want to call Spencer a horror movie. Um, it it didn't give me that excitement like that like i i love book smart i know brian is not a fan but uh there's just like certain movies where i just feel so excited that i just want to spread it like a disease or a virus um <laughs> and so uh, this movie's called fresh and, and not not to be confused with the early 90s movie fresh with samuel jackson right uh, which is a, w one of the best movies ever made but this is a different fresh right yes uh very different um so uh yeah there's so many jokes i can make so i write for a website called fresh fiction and so i was like man these, these jokes and then there's the whole like adding your review to rotten tomatoes and whether it's fresh or rotten so <laughs> when you have a whole when you have a title like that your the jokes just kind of write themselves um so the movie stars uh daisy edgar jones and she was in the hulu i think it's hulu um uh, or amazon um, well fact check that yourself um normal people and then it has sebastian stan in it and so i don't want to say too much about it um but maybe i can throw some movies that it pairs well with to kind of uh get an appetite going for you Ooh, please. Um, so i was reminded of audition 
Takashi Miike's audition. What? So uh, you, you liked uh, The Perfection, right? Yeah, Richard loved Shepherd's it. Movie. Loved it. So it's kind of like that too, where it, it does this really nice balance where like the first half of the movie, it's like a romantic, a really nice, well done romantic drama where it uh, feels really genuine and uh, the, the interactions between the characters are like, yeah, yeah, like my wife would love this. And then the turn happens and my wife would leave. <laughs> so uh, th- that's how you know, like, ah, oh, this is like, so the whole time I was watching, I was like, Brian's gonna love this and eat it up. Um, so just something happens in it and then it just, so when a trailer comes out, please stay away from it. I It's like one of those movies kind of like Cabin in the Woods where like you just want to go in as blind as possible um it's just i i i'm not wearing festival goggles or anything like that i'm not letting the thrill of being at a sundance kind of premiere even though it was virtual uh just you're still watching something before everybody else because this movie comes out march 4th on hulu um and so man i wish it was one that you can watch with a an audience in a theater because there's just some things that happen in that um, that are both kind of fun if you're if you love like B horror movies and um, and then like but it handles it really well in like this like thoughtful filmmaker kind of way where you're just really pulled into the situation that's happening and there's just some delicious performances especially Sebastian Stan I think this is his best performance ever. And um, man, uh, there's just some things that he does. There's a dance that happens early in the movie where it's like kind of sweet. And they're like, the couple are dancing in the living room to Blood Orange, which is one of my favorite bands. And then there's a sequence later with Sebastian Stan when he's dancing to uh, You're My Obsession, that song. And so- Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's dancing in the kitchen to that. And I was like, God. So uh, it's like there's like some parts to it that are like ex machina kind of level where it's just it was just I was so excited and soon as uh, soon as it was over I was like oh my god it was like three in the morning because I watched it at one in the morning because uh, of the mountain time thing and um, and I was just like my house is completely dark my wife's asleep my kids asleep and I'm here and I'm just like by myself and I can't talk to anybody and I was just like oh my god I'm so amped right now and so I just haven't had that uh you should have called me you should have called me woke you up like man I just saw this fucking movie called fresh and it was so fucking awesome Um, i love it when Preston gets unchained yeah yeah so so if my enthusiasm can sell you please uh it's a great date movie if you have (laughs) if you if you have a a twinkle of wtf uh in your your movie taste palette so um so that one that one was my favorite of the festival uh i did really like this drama piece um that was called living that was done by the director of mafi um that i loved from last year uh that you should keep an out for it's a it's a remake of uh, akira uh the kurosawa film 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which one, uh, Ran or uh, Akira? Oh, oh, Akira. Okay, yeah. not Akura Kurosawa. Akira Kurosawa, right? Yeah, Akira. It's confusing because that's the t- <laughs> Akira is the title of the movie, and then there's Akira Kurosawa. Yes, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, look that up. I'm I'm just messing you up and giving you the wrong information. Um, so that that was great. Uh, so other movies that within the horror, there's two others. Um, Duel, uh, done by uh, Riley Stearns, who I'm a, a big fan of. I love the art of self defense. It's so um, good. I'm glad he's doing movies still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Faults also great. Um, so this is like his third feature, and uh, man, he just uh, this one. Um, the language carries over from art of self defense because that's what stands out to me so uh, the most when thinking back on that movie. Um, is that the the way that the characters talk and this kind of like matter of fact and like they're dead serious and they're saying things and like punctuation is completely thrown out the window they so that's why like Jesse Eisenberg was so great at being able to just deliver things in this like uh, 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 I don't know it's like a machine gun I don't know Um, so uh, Karen uh, Gillian does is the main character here and so the premise is that uh so if you saw a swan song from last year with Mahershala Ali it just did like this really dramatic and emotional exploration of like if you were dying from a, a terminal illness um you can quietly get a clone of yourself and then don't tell your loved ones and then have that clone live out the rest of what would have been your life and so it just kind of dealt with like the sad situation of that this one takes it to a fun level but also kind of like the jesus kind of level too so um (laughs) instead of uh so let's say you're in that situation but for some reason miraculously your body makes a full recovery you no longer have a terminal illness you don't have cancer and you're good to go but you have your other clone that's been learning everything from you to be able to carry on your life. However, if that situation happens and it's been too long, because uh, there's like a certain law within a couple of weeks, I can't remember how long, um, or a certain amount of time, a real small window, if, you're, if that happens, uh, they'll decommission your clone and they'll just mm. kill it. However, but if it's been long enough and they become their full, like a full person that has ability to think and react and behave like you and everything just has like a full personality, you have to have a duel to the death, like old Mm. school, 1800s, further back uh, kind of thing. And you are just put in the middle of this field, football field, five weapons on both sides and you grab a weapon and you try to kill the other person. And whoever wins gets to be that person awesome um, so there's that fun level to it but there's also just like some really deep emotional stuff going on there with like oh man it's like warrior style i always make this comparison to warrior because warrior the 2011 movie with tom hardy and uh space uh what's that guy's name i know who you're talking about i'm looking him up real quick uh why am i blanking on his name right now we interviewed him we did um uh, what's his name save, um, me, save me save me joel edgerton edgerton, joel edgerton. yeah thank you um where you you're getting both sides and 
you don't know who to root for you're like oh kind of like the double or kind of like the the original um <laughs> it, it, it leans more towards one side uh, than the other um but you get a feel for like by the end of it you have a full understanding of both sides and it just has like this emotional uh, aspect to it that i wasn't quite expecting yeah um, there, there's some ambiguity to it that drove me a little crazy i wish it didn't quite have that um, but then maybe I think that'll settle with me a little bit better as I go on, uh, as time passes where I'm like, yeah, maybe they didn't, they couldn't have taken any other direction. So that was a fun one. I don't know when it's coming out, but I know XYZ films is doing it. So I imagine it'll probably come out in the first half of the year sometime. So probably before May, I would think, cause it's like that kind of movie. So, uh, that was dual spelled D O or D U A L like duality. Um, um, and then the last one is Watcher. And then this one has Make Monroe in it from It Follows and The Guest. And um, this one is kind of like a traditional stalker kind of movie where uh, she goes to Romania with her boyfriend. And so she's kind of fallen along to support him. And she is just trying to find an identity but she's also feels like she's being watched by one of the neighbors. And so the whole movie is kind of putting you inside her headspace. And she's so good. Megan Monroe's really good at doing this like over the shoulder, kind of like paranoia, like just constantly yeah. looking. So it's hard to ignore that it follows kind of feel to it, but it's it also has like this, uh, like everybody's against her thinks she's crazy so like this rosemary's baby kind of vibe to it Ooh. um so it, it, it it's uh it's a nice immersive film experience even if by the end of it you're like i mean it didn't really like push beyond anything within that kind of uh story but she does a really good job the way that it's shot and the music and everything uh, the performances are, are really nice and pleasant so i give it a solid three and a half out of five uh so um not gonna make my top of the year or anything like that but it was just like it did what it needed to do for like a it, ifc kind of midnight kind of movie where you're like hmm, yeah that, that, i mean it was comforting i like making monroe yeah it's good stuff sounds like a pretty good list yeah. Of, of horror films, which brings us to what horror movies to look forward to in 2022. I've got a list. We'll go through them and then we'll get to Scream. Uh, coming out on February 18th in just a few weeks on Netflix. Again, once again, the 12th movie, probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot kind of thing. And they're taking their cues from Halloween which when they rebooted, they'd made a direct sequel from the first Halloween movie in 1978. And now we have, you know, this last movie that came out a couple months ago, we got Halloween ends coming up too. So this Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's coming out on Netflix on February 18th is a direct sequel from the first movie. So there that is, everybody is still alive in the, that family in that first one. And it seems like they're going to bring back that character, Sally, the one blonde girl who got away. Uh, so they're going to do that. I mean, there's been so many Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, reboots, sequels, prequels. I don't know what to do anymore, but... It's got a I spit on your grave kind of feel to it, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It'll hopefully 
it kind of evokes some of that charm from the original one. Uh, but you know, who, who, who knows? It's so charming. That it movie. is. It's a charming movie and say what you will about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's barely any blood in that movie. Um, I but say there's a, a lot of close-ups on eyes and screaming that you're like, oh. yes, yes, for sure. So we'll see if that works out. Hopefully it's good. Um, I want it to be good. Uh, moving on, um, also right after that, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to get into horror with the next couple of its films, first being uh, Morbius, played by Jared Leto, who is a doctor who has a, uh, a blood disease, and then vampire happens, you know, vampires happen in the MCU yeah. Morbius. So I, I just want to hear uh, Jamie Foxx come in and be like, Man, y'all gotta be careful about falling and stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> just, like, just like have him comment on uh, like w- what sort of like a villain trope they have there or something. Right, right. And so with this Morbius movie, I'm curious being the MCU, if an end credit sequence will feature Blade because that's coming out as well. So mm. it just might be, who knows? Also, maybe this is a movie uh Preston has seen already but the black phone uh movie starring Ethan Hawke uh Preston's best friend and this is based on a, a short uh novel a short story by Joe Hill and I think it was written by uh Robert Cargill and Scott Derrickson who did the Doctor Strange movie but it looks good I like Ethan Hawke it looks pretty good right did you see this I didn't see it. It played at Fantastic Fest at the time where the Delta variant came out. And I just wasn't comfortable going to a theater um, to see it. Man, but, two variants ago. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I man, as soon as they started saying like this was the secret screening, I was like, God dang it. And we even debated like, should we just if we can get in, can we drive 300 miles to go see it real quick. Um, but yeah, we waited. Um, and they did just keep pushing the date on this. Uh, it was supposed to come out February. I think it's now, what is it, April or something? I can't remember. Yeah, um, right. Uh, I'm uh, I'm hoping for the best with that. But uh, who knows if they do that, you know? I'm. It's June. It's June 24th. It's June 24th? Yeah. Oh, my God. So that's a long way away then, right? Yeah, so so they got like one of, so Fantastic Fest goers had like a really special experience, kind of like us with a green room where it took quite a while, like April from fall to April uh, release date. So um, I've heard uh, that it's okay. Um, And that's pretty much, that's pretty much what it boils down to. I, I was really excited about it, but then I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't know. Like it seems kind of phony. No uh, pun intended for that one. Right. Um, but I love Ethan Hawke so much, and I just want him to excel in this kind of like crazy man part. So we'll see how that goes. But the the whole like uh, kid captured talking to other kids uh, that have died through a black phone, which is kind of like white noise kind of thing, where you just have a connection to the dead in a, I guess frequency kind of way um so um 
Yeah, it'll be. I'm, I mean, I'm going to see it. I like those. I like those filmmakers. So we'll see how it goes. For sure. For sure. Uh, another one to look out for that. I literally have zero idea about. I, I know nothing about it, which is pretty exciting. But uh, the guy who did us and the guy who did um, oh, what's his first movie? Get out. Get out. Uh, Jordan Peele has a new movie just straight up called Nope. <laughs> and I have no idea other than a poster uh, that yeah. has a town and a, a lightning strike. And I'm just like, okay, Jordan Peele, yes, please. <laughs> it's it's a uh, cloud, like a storm cloud with a uh, like a kite string attached to it with all those little flags on it. So I mean, doesn't it give you like Amblin vibes, like almost like ET looking out over a town, but like more horrifying? I don't know. A little bit, yeah. Um, it's definitely shrouded in mystery. So, I, yeah, I have no idea what to expect. I, I mean, I love to get out like so many of us did. I wasn't too hot on us, but uh, I guess the social commentary and everything else that he injects into it is always interesting to see unfold. So, and I always ex- I'll expect that he's going to have some some really thoughtful uh, themes in this one. I hope um so but the cast is exciting so daniel kaluuya is coming back uh steven yun from the walking dead and uh kiki palmer from who's in the new screen very excited very excited uh for this movie uh nope by jordan peele coming out also uh, another movie coming out since uh stephen king's it chapter one chapter dude did gangbusters financially and critically um of course they're going to kind of redo his whole repertoire horror wise and so uh everybody's going to get salem's lot rebooted by stephen king uh the original one still is scary as shit and awesome uh i love it and now we're gonna get you know kind of like an it version of salem's lot now uh redone present day uh i'm a big fan of this i'm looking forward to it Preston, what do you think yeah, I mean, uh, I do like, uh, what's his name, Gary uh, Doberman, who did It, but he also did The Nun in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, he, but he, I love uh, Annabelle Comes Home too. So he's kind of like a mixed bag, but um, if it's anything like the tone or feel of the first It movie, not the second one, because I think the second one's kind of shit. Um the first one uh, I, I think will be in good hands. And so I, I, I hope, and especially with James Wan in there as well for, for producing, I think it could uh, go over pretty well. So I, I'm hopeful for it. Who's in the cast? Uh, let's see, Spencer Treat Clark. Uh, he was in uh, Unbreakable. He's the kid, plays yep. Bruce Willis' son. Yep. Uh, what else we got here? I didn't recognize this guy, P. Lou Esbiak. He must have been in that, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Overlord. He was an Overlord. Oh, yeah, Overlord. Yeah. I watched that uh, at Fantastic Fest opening night as well. And Bill Camp. <laughs> Bill Camp's always the best. <laughs> Bill Camp and Salem's Lot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's this. So, so, yeah, that, that could go. that could go well. Salem's Lot, the sequel to The Sandlot. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Uh, also, much maybe to Preston's uh, dismay, 
but the third and final Halloween movie in this little trilogy, Halloween Ends. I mean, we both saw the 2018 Halloween movie. It had some moments, but it really wasn't great. Halloween Kills comes along, and when it was John Wick, Michael Myers, I was excited. It was kind of silly, but overall I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't a great movie. And now Halloween ends as like, oh man, is are we really going to get like a steel cage match with Myers and Strode? Uh, just like just like them two face to face for an hour. Like that would be awesome. But I, I feel like they just got kind of the wrong people to make this movie <laughs> or this trilogy. I don't know. They did, and it's it's crazy because it was just one of those uh, cases where all the talent involved, like David Gordon Green, like he's made some really great stuff outside of his comedy stuff. Like he's done some dramatic work that makes that has yeah. like a visual flair to it that's interesting. So I, I was I was like, oh man, it's gonna have a groundedness that is really cool. But I don't know if it's like Danny McBride's writing or what, because um, he's always capable of doing good stuff too. Like Regis Gemstones is fantastic and course eastbound down um but it just it just was one of those things where like somebody who's known for comedy like jordan peele like go into horror where he just it like fits perfectly it just didn't quite happen here um there there were some good ideas that were just like set up especially the i would say like the the last bit of halloween 2018 is pretty good and it could have just ended there but then they kept going and it just <laughs> because it made tons of money. Yeah. It, it's like they backed themselves, wrote themselves into a corner and the corner that they wrote, got themselves out of was really shitty. Um, so yeah, I, I did not like Halloween kills at all. Um, there, there was very little to that movie that did anything for me. I think, uh, and we've talked about it so long and we could spend the rest of this podcast and I can keep complaining about it because I love talking about how much I hate this movie. <laughs> um, uh, it just, it, it needs to get the, the tension right. The, the building dread moments of like, you know, in the first, uh, the 2018 Halloween where they're following uh, Michael as it goes through the house, like that's legitimately terrifying. And then Halloween Kills brought that John Wick aspect to it where it's just like, kill 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 but where's the stakes where's the where's the build-up where's like me caring for that person before they get their brain smashed in or something just and i don't know like uh so like at this point like i'm like fuck it play it let me see the thing let me see how it goes let's see if i can just have my guard completely down and they surprise us and like everything that was so terrible about the first two can just all come together and it was worth the journey so let's see but i highly doubt it right yeah it's uh it's very uh, i i want it to be good and if it yeah. focuses solely on michael myers and Lori and maybe her daughter i'd be fine with that but there was just so much going on in Halloween kills. It was just like, Oh God, here we go. So hopefully they figure it out and make a nice ending, but how do you end it? Like he's going to still be alive at the end. They're just not killing him. Right. I don't know. I think they may try to, uh, unless they do like a peacemaker type of thing. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> He was so dead. 
but somehow is miraculously alive. alive it's yeah. completely different for them going forward. And it's we've got the meta quality to it. I don't know. Right. Um, so yeah, I think tonally just those movies are very uh, out of whack. And so I, I'm just, just curious cause I've made it this far. But we're completists. We have to see it, even exactly. though we're saying I, I will say, though, like, because Halloween's like one of my favorite franchises, um, even though it's like the most brutal one in terms of the quality of them. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I collect them. Like, I, I like collecting the steel books and everything, as you know. And so I have like three different versions of 2018 Halloween. I don't even like that one. Halloween Kills, <laughs> made a, I made a point. I did not buy it. And it, and those steel books are going for like 150 bucks right now. He hasn't bought it yet, folks. But Preston, if you don't know, is a is a masochist. So he just he, he does things because he has to feel I'm his gonna, own pain. I'm gonna I'm gonna see the third one. I'm gonna be like, shit, if I gotta buy it. <laughs> right? That's that's gonna be at. <laughs> All right. Another movie that's coming out, which I'm very excited for and very curious about. Um, Evil Dead Rise. It's coming out on, on HBO Max. It's the new Evil Dead movie with uh, a new director. And then, of course, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are going to be producers on it. But instead, all the Evil Dead movies have taken place at a cabin remote in the woods. This one takes place in the city in a high-rise apartment. Uh, so... First off, Leprechaun goes to the ghetto and Critters 3 in the city. Um, what have we learned? So I am not sure where this is going to go. However, I'm very excited for the fact that maybe a ton of people in the city are going to be turned into deadites. I'm not quite sure. A lot of people are going to be turning into deadites in a big, uh, a big high rise. Like it might be like... Uh, uh, that movie Wreck or Quarantine, maybe mixed with like uh, Lombardo Baba's Demons. I'm not sure. But if it's Evil Dead and if Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi have anything to do with it, I am so in. Preston? Yeah, it's directed by uh, Lee Cronin. He did uh, Hole in the Ground, which was okay. That movie came out in 2019. So I don't know. It could. It could. Could have some potential. I mean... I like the idea of them taking like uh, so like imagine like a Star Wars movie with like a stormtrooper focused story or something like that where it's like it takes like the background or like certain ingredients from it and then just supplant it, put it transferring it to somewhere else to kind of give this whole new fresh uh, quality to it. So I'm uh, a little optimistic about it, but I also like you am like. Uh, <laughs> what have we learned from leprechaun and critters in the city? Right. Well, well, what must we go tropical or you know metropolitan? Me, me, <laughs> unless it's like uh, Jason takes Manhattan when like the last fifteen minutes only takes place in a high rise. <laughs> right. No, I mean the whole movie of Jason takes Manhattan is literally getting to Manhattan. The last 10, 15 minutes is him walking through Times Square in Manhattan. <laughs> Jason, Jason on my way on a yeah, boat. Justin on a boat. He's here. We're on a boat. All right. So that's Evil Dead. Also in the reboot form, uh, they're going to do Hellraiser for Hulu. There's going to be another Hellraiser movie, and it's supposed to be a direct sequel to one of the previous ones. But they're trying to make this as a big reimagining reboot of the whole franchise. Um, 
I'm a big sucker for Hellraiser movies. I just like that character, that goth, those demons. They're just like so wickedly cool looking. Uh, I, I'll watch it. Uh, it'd probably be better than the last, you know, eight straight to, you know, home video movies, but I'm looking forward to it. Go Hellraiser. Pressing anything to say about Hellraiser, like 20. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of that franchise. All right. All right. So, so gothic but we'll move on to the next predator movie but it's not called predator it is called prey mm-hmm. um i actually really love the last predator movie uh however they really fucked up the ending uh to me <laughs> <laughs> i was like man you had you were building up for arnold to come out and you didn't you gave him an iron man suit but whatever but maybe this movie will be a little better what do you think uh, yeah, I think this will be a, a more grounded movie. It's done by Dan Trachtenberg, who did uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, um, which that movie was great because it it brought a grounded approach to the Cloverfield kind of films, and that ended up being the best out of all those movies. Um, so this one's is a prequel set 300 years ago, and it's going to chronicle Predator's first journey to Earth. And so I, I've seen an image or a poster and it has a, a little girl on the, on the cover. Um, so it's, it's going to have like this like warrior type of situation going on. Not the movie warrior, but just like an actual warrior. Um, so yeah, it looks like this is scheduled to come out on Hulu in the summer. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that one. I think uh, bringing that sort of like a slow approach to it would be like really great now that we've gotten the uh, the last predators movie that you just mentioned that shane black did it's very loud there's a lot of alien activity going on there so bringing something that's going to be a little more quiet and have that build just like the first predator where like he doesn't pop into like the same time jaws does um so i think that that, that that's good I'm excited for that one. The, the, the last Predators movie had one of the funniest uh, mom jokes in that movie. <laughs> what was the mom joke? It was, um, what's uh, the difference between uh, five black guys and a, and a joke? Your mom can't take a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that was told by, I think, Thomas Jane. <laughs> forgot that he was in that but uh that was a really funny joke out of nowhere i actually like predators but uh, it's because i like shane black a lot but it was very shane blackiness like it was like comedy it was like a little thrilling it was christmas it was like you know basically everything in a shane black movie he Um, needs to make nice guys to mexico like right now (laughs) yes he does yes he does best movie to me so should we even mention like i i hesitate to bring this movie up but they're hocus Hocus pocus 2 no not hocus pocus (laughs) 2 but uh jeepers creepers reborn Uh, they're trying to do jeepers creepers again and i just don't want to you know because i think the director victor salva will get money for it uh just because it's his creation so i just don't want to do that so uh, i i don't know (laughs) <laughs> yeah i feel you on that it's a slippery slope my friends but other than that uh three other movies that are on the list uh there's a movie called studio 666 
which looks amazing. It's the Foo Fighters making their album in like an old mansion and uh, horror things happen while they're making music. And I mean, who doesn't like uh, Foo Fighters? <laughs> right. Uh, so that looks awesome. Studio 66, also a movie called The Devil's Light starring Virginia Madsen, you know, from Sideways and Candyman. And it's about a nun doing an exorcism. Very excited about that. And of course, our boy Ty West with a movie called X, maybe not X-Men. X going to give it to you. Yeah, X going to give it to you about a film crew going to Texas to shoot a porn. And then uh, things happen. Things happen. And I'm very excited about this movie because I like Ty West. I like that that whole uh, crew um, in this movie just seems like fun. It seems like something I would do. I'd go to a remote location in Texas to shoot an adult film and things happen. <laughs> Is this yeah. true, Preston? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this movie was written by you. You should get credit. <laughs> But uh, those are, uh, is there anything else on the list that we should look forward to? Is Hocus Pocus 2 actually happening this year? Yeah, yeah, it's going to come out this year. So Halloween time, Disney Plus, it'll happen. Okay. Um, Yeah, I want to quickly mention a few. Uh, So My Best Friend's Exorcism. So the Grady Hendrix novels get an adaptation. That was a great book, by the way. Great book. So it has more to be excited about. more reasons for you to be excited about it. Um, so it's going to be produced by Christopher Landon, who did uh, Happy Death Day. Um, and it's going to be directed by Damon Thomas. Um, and it comes from Killing Eve. So good deal. Potential, potential there. And Elsie uh, Fisher from eighth grade is going to be in it. Awesome. No, that that's great news. Uh, that That book is great because it's got the nostalgia factor it's got kind of like the comedic factor to it, but it actually reading it, it is horrifying. Like there are moments in that book that are just truly scary. I'm mm-hmm. very excited about it. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see who they get to play the motivational speaker guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, oh man. I bet you it's probably on here. I don't know. I have to look at who else is in the cast. Christopher Lau. Um, mostly unknowns, but that it won't be fun so yeah that'll come out to be determined at the time uh brandon cronenberg has his follow-up to possessor that's nice have alexander skarsgård in it excellent and so that that one will be uh very disturbing i'm sure i mean the one image that's out there is uh alexander skarsgård with blood on his face so uh yeah check check out that um the northman uh i don't know if oh. it technically qualifies as horror but robert eggers is next movie i mean all of those movies are kind of i mean because it's like it's like the green knight is that horror kind of <laughs> yeah it definitely it, it rides that line where it's yeah it's appropriate uh speaking of book smart olivia the wilds directing a psychological thriller set in the 50s called don't worry darling uh with Florence Pugh in it and uh, what's his name? The, the one that uh, broke up Olivia Wilde's marriage to Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> oh, Henry Styles. Yeah, Harry Styles. Harry, Harry Styles. Styles, watermelon sugar yeah, yeah. something. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was that, is that true actually? I did not know that. I, I'm sh- sure there's, uh, I'm probably just putting shit out there. Um, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's just from the outside looking in that's what it looks like but i don't know uh like i i don't know i'm just thinking of ted lasso and i just care so much for jason sudeikis that i only want the best me too so, me too so 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 I, i'm just spread shit it's probably not true at all but i they did date i think they're still dating okay so it's a thing it's a, it is a thing uh i guess jurassic world dominion those movies God. are I'm just, I'm just not excited about that at all. I, it's like one of those things where, uh, I mean, you know how special Jurassic Park is to me and my family, so as it is to so many people. And so I, I always give it a chance, even though I just never speak of the last one, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, it's it, Fallen Kingdom is such a horri- horif- horrific movie, just, just a bad movie. I mean, the the first one with Chris Pratt is like silly as shit it get, it's it was okay when i first saw it but as i watch it more with my son because at this for a certain point there we were watching a lot of dinosaur movies and so it was like the first one we watched it so many times and i, I love it um but we wanted something like new and fresh and like all the toys that they sell are from the jurassic world uh crop so um, like the Adonis Rex, and he wants to see what the Adonis Rex, because he has an Adonis Rex that's this big. They make these toys so huge, like his closet is ridiculous. I, I should take this camera and show you. Um, <laughs> uh, it like it, it's a Brachiosaurus that is like to my waist. Um, never plays with it, but it's there, taking up space. Um, so yeah, he, he's curious, and so we watch it, and like that 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 movie just gets worse and worse to me. Um, as I watch it, it's just like so mean. It's like a mean movie. Like it is, it is a super mean movie. I mean, even the death scene with like the pterodactyl tearing up the that ba- chick for like ten minutes is, um, is ba- amazing. Yeah. But yeah, the babysitter. <laughs> yeah, she she was just checking her phone, and that's it. Otherwise, she's like she's carrying. She's trying to find them. She's trying to do more to find her kid, the kids, than uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's character is. Yeah, and so. Yeah, but they were just like, fuck this lady. And so a pterodactyl <laughs> picks her up and you think she's okay um, when she falls in the water. And then, yeah, that big Mesosaurus comes up and just eats oh, her. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's so, so good. It's so good. Uh, that, that part is, that that's the only good part of the movie, minus when the T-Rex and the Velociraptor nod to each other and like, yeah. you're welcome. It's, it's <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some parts to it, but otherwise, like, screw everybody in that movie uh the characters um so yeah jurassic world dominion's coming out and that's uh colin trevorrow coming back to the director's chair and yep. so after book of henry and getting fucked with the star wars franchise um i don't know what to expect from him he released a 10 minute short that was okay for jurassic world and then he released the first five minutes a prologue of jurassic world dominion that you can watch right now which is an interesting idea it starts with uh dinosaurs at the beginning of time so when you see dinosaurs they have like feathers how which is scientifically accurate at this point um so there's like little things like that that might have a interesting aspect to it and now that dinosaurs are actually on earth everywhere and it's like the world aspect is living up to its title yeah um, it's it, i'm curious so we'll see but I, we'll see. I, i'm sure it's gonna have all that like shitty heroics kind of thing yeah going on so 
I guess that's it. There's probably going to be some other stuff that we will right, right. pick up along the way. But, we mentioned but, like 20, 25 uh, good yeah. horror movies. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, enough to overwhelm you. Yeah, and we'll put all that on the on the website and stuff like that, uh, so you can Firestarter, Firestarter, another Stephen King. Oh, Firestarter! Look at that! Look at that! All the Stephen King stuff. I mean, seriously, it chapter one, chapter two made like hundreds of millions of dollars. Of course, they're going to redo all of those. So there you go. Twenty twenty two. Rob Zombie's pretty- monsters. Rob yes, well, I, I was going to mention that, but I couldn't remember if that was actually this year or not. I think so. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, they the, the Rob Zombie's Monsters, they actually built like an entire street uh, yeah. for the yeah, Mockingbird Lane. Lane. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, 2022, let's move into our main event, Scream. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Scream franchise, of course, there's been five films. And uh, the original Scream came out in 1996. I was 15 or 16. I was 16 years or 15 years old. Um, and then of course this Wes Craven was known for nightmare on Elm street. And since then he made a lot of great movies, but none of which brought him the success that nightmare on Elm street did until scream in 1996. Uh, and then that just changed the world, the slasher genre, you know, being metal with it. Uh, he really got it right. Um, and then, of course, Scream 2 in 97, Scream 3 in 2000, Scream 4 in 2011. And then some, you know, 11 years later, we get this fifth film. Uh, but I just want to know, Preston, uh, when did you first see Scream? Do you remember? What was that like? So... My cousin was babysitting me. My parents were out on a date. And uh, so he set me up in my parents' bedroom to watch something. And then he was eating a bowl of cereal. I remember this so well. He's eating a bowl of cereal and watching Scream in the living room on VHS. So this was probably later, 96, 97, maybe, um, that I watched. So I was just watching it around the corner as he was watching it <laughs> and I just kept, he, I just run. He would, as soon as I, he like popped up to go either take the, the cereal bowl to the kitchen or whatever. Um, I would just run back to the room and then pretend I was watching whatever I was not watching. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I watched it. I watched it peeking around a corner the entire time. And then he left the VHS there. And then when my parents went to sleep, I snuck in the living room and watched it again. Um, and you loved it. I did. Yeah, that, that, that was the movie that, because uh, I would say, I, so it may have been, I think that was my first rated R, because I guess Jaws technically is PG, you know, it, rated R aspects to it. Um, so those movies were my two horror movies that I saw when I was five and six. And so, uh, yeah, that it, it, uh, it spawned my, it sprung me into the the horror genre and my love for it so um i have kevin williamson the writer and wes craven to thank for that that's awesome uh i was a little older than you so i think i was 15 and i remember i went to see it with my best friend uh jonathan and we were looking forward to it and we went to 
uh, a theater uh, in Richardson to see it. And I remember it was at night. It was night opening uh, the the day, it, the night it opened. And it was a yeah, packed pack theater. And just, it was the, the reactions to the crowd and we just loved it. And I remember talking with him uh, in his red Dodge truck outside, just talking about like, man, that movie was good. All those kills were good. And we didn't see that coming, you know? And then we were just like, oh man, they just got it right. And so that's what I want to talk about Scream with and how, why it's one of the elements that's so good about it is because before kind of Scream came out, you know, Wes Craven is very interested in the meta universe before the meta universe was actually a thing, you know, with Wes Craven's new nightmare and with Scream, because before Scream, we have these horror movies, these slashers, and everybody in the audience watching the movie is like, you know, like, look how bitch, she got a knife. I wouldn't do that. Why would you do that? I would, nope. I would, sur- yeah, nope. I would, uh, I would survive this by doing this and yeah. Scream took that like took that element and added it to their movie by doing trivia having somebody who really like a horror movie nerd in the movie as a character talking to the people about how to survive a killer in a horror movie and that element was just so great about it uh and it was genuinely terrifying it was funny you know it was kind of silly here and there uh but man the characters really stuck with you and it was kind of brutal too. And I think those elements really made Scream like that instant cult phenom that it still is today, which is why they're still making movies. Would you agree? Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, that, uh, it, it just holds a special place in my heart, uh, as I mentioned, but it's just a very smart horror movie. And uh, I guess Jason Lives kind of had that meta-ness to it. And they just kind of, I think Kevin Williamson has credited some of that, some of his inspiration for that. I think most of it comes from like this uh, uh, staying at, staying, being in the house alone and having a conversation with his buddy. I may be completely wrong about that, but I think he was talking about like a uh, movie other horror movies and like how they would survive the night kind of thing and that just kind of spawned it uh, yeah evolved it into what it is um so yeah it just was a movie that made it fun because it was a movie that was meeting the audience at their level where as you mentioned with like it's just capturing the kind of comments that we have, the commentary that we have, uh, which makes horror movies so much fun is when you're watching it with somebody and you can either be really terrified and then uh, the, the big scare happens and you're like, oh, if you like laugh it off or it's going in a very stupid direction and you're just like exactly what you said, like, please, no, don't do that. Why the hell are you doing that? Why would you go in there? Where you're just challenging the character's IQ. Um, and so uh, it, it was just like the... A very groundbreaking horror movie and uh, I have so much love for it and where it goes beyond that I, I think uh, there's people that may be able to uh, th- that would say differently about the sequels beyond that but I, I, I quite love the sequels right I, I do too and I think you know one of the elements that made Scream work so well is that Wes Craven opened up with the fucking dynamite bang with that first oh, yeah. scene with um what's her name drew, uh, drew barrymore drew barrymore like it set the tone because that you know 
everybody has been in that situation where, you know, you're at home, you're, you're cooking popcorn or whatever, and somebody calls and it's weird. Uh, but that element of like, it was so terrifying and shocking. And, you know, the reveal of her dead body was so mutilated and gross. It's like, holy shit, this just got real Martin Lawrence style. Uh, I, <laughs> it was that scene, like, like that, like eight minutes is just so incredible. And it's arguably one of the best scenes in horror, I think. Yeah, it, uh, Wes Craven did pretty much the same thing where he like sets up a character that you think is going to be the main character and then she dies, uh, yeah. like with Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and not even like the brutality of her, but her boyfriend over there by the pool getting his stomach slit open and like the hot dog intestines falls out. Yeah, um, it's it's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. It, that element and just like the whole coolness of scream with these groups of friends you know going back and watching it over the years you're like of course those two are it you know they're the killer but seeing it for the first time you're just like man you had no idea this is coming all these characters are pretty likable and then you think it's this person and then it just you know does that m night Shyamalan twist before kind of m night uh, was a thing and it's just wow scream and you could see why there are sequels yeah 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 it was yeah what you said about um that we've we've seen so many horror movies now over the past 20 30 years that we we can look for those signs we've become good detectives at this point and so yeah going back to watch if you're watching it for the first time you might be able to uh, pick up on some of those but at the time uh it it did a really good job of like subverting your expectations you're like oh it's not this person because they were there um and so um i remember like the the killers at the very end stabbing each other at the end uh that was that was the image that stuck with me the most as a six-year-old creeping around that corner because you were just like oh man are they supernatural beings and then of course (laughs) now when you go back to watch you're like oh they're just trying not to hit the their their main organs Arters, and yeah um except for uh poor uh you know matthew lillard uh but he has the great like uh line where he's like oh i might die now probably <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so good oh it's watching it because like he's kept through that that metal or like breaking almost the fourth wall to the very end like you know there's they're always come up for a last breath of air and like oh shit it happens yeah yeah it happens in all of them um and uh but but with that first one it it was really fun and and i'd say in some sequels it's pretty fun when they do that too um so yeah, uh, yeah, I love that first one. I think it's clearly the best one. See, I think, the, not to jump too ahead, but I think they're the best in release order. Um, so I, I, have, I know people shit on the third one, but I love the third one. Um, I think the fourth one's better than the new one. Um, and because I rewatched them all recently and uh, I think I only watched the fourth one like one time, the one time I saw it in theaters and then I watched it again, I was like, pretty good not bad um so uh what what do you think of the second one i really like the second one because it takes that also 
meta element again and like oh there's a copycat and they talk about sequels to horror movies in the movie and what to expect again in a, in a sequel and it's just like oh man they got it so right again and you know they bring it to college rather than high school uh so there's a lot of elements in that and i think also it kind of gives uh kind of like a before social media because this came out in 97 but it gave like a sense of like you know news and media newspapers on like kind of their influence they could be on in society which you know we've seen today completely with all the murder documentaries and podcasts and social media being kind of kind of a negative influence on all that um but yeah i think scream 2 is actually very uh um it's it's underrated for how good of a sequel it is yeah um yeah that one's a lot of fun i I like also like the cold opening of that one too where it's like uh, omar epps and jada pinkett smith and they're just uh commenting on like how black characters are treated in horror movies which which basically was the premise for the scary movies by the wayans brothers yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) um so yeah uh, and they're going to they're going to a horror movie and just like the just the little things that they say throughout the dialogue that like Kevin Williamson is like such a genius even though I think like different writers came in and out but they they adopt that that sort of like the the, the meta-ness that we've been commenting on where you're just like it's so smart because like right now um and, and I'll get to my feelings about the fifth um scream or five five cream as some people call it uh i call it um it's it's like they're 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 trying to go to jd pickett smith makes a comment about wanting to go see a sandra bullock movie like a stupid sandra bullock movie instead um and then they like now let's go to this horror movie and then they get in there and they're showing stab and then as you're watching stab they're like oh shit they're remaking all the events that happened in the first one and so it's like adding another layer to it that makes it fun and exciting and then you just kind of see like how people respond to it. So it's like everybody that's watched the first movie got put in the second one. And yes. so it's just adding this a whole other layer to it that makes it so fun and enjoyable. And then, yeah, with Jada Pinkett Smith getting stabbed in the theater, yeah, uh, which is completely horrific, but everybody's like, so, you know, hooting and hollering and because of everything that's happened in the, the movie, uh, they're like, I don't know to tell if this is a joke or not it's kind of like those movies that have come out recently where somebody's killed inside of a haunted house you're like is that that is that real plus everybody was in scream masks and everything like it was yeah 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 so it was just really smart with all that stuff and i bought into like who the killers are at the very end yep um and so um, it just like it did all that it needed to do for uh, to be a, a perfect sequel. Had its goofiness, kind of like the romantic comedy stuff with like uh, Tom, uh, what's his face from Stand by Me, uh, and to- or Tom Katz. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking of uh, he. What's his? I don't remember his name. Uh, but he has Jerry like O'Connell. This, Jerry O'Connell. Like he was singing in the cafeteria kind of thing. And it was just like, yeah, this is like definitely of the area. So it definitely has its like 90s stink that's great to it. Still yeah. great. Um, so yeah, very enjoyable. 
It is a good movie. And then Scream 3, you know, you're bringing back, you know, for a third one. And then you're kind of like, okay, what are we going to do now? And then, oh, well, let's uh, investigate. Let's journey into Sidney Prescott's mother, who was maybe the influence and the the wild card to this whole universe, yeah. you know? And so I like that element to it. You know, like, like Ginger Snaps did that. They went back, you know, to the, you know, prequel-wise not like Scream 3 did, but like, you know, we find out where everything comes from. Because usually in franchises, some tend to do that. It's like, where did this all start? Where did this all become? And so I actually enjoyed 3 too because of that element. What about you? Yeah, Randy, who at this point has tragically passed, he was stabbed and killed in the <laughs> second one, but he made, a, he made a tape. He made a tape before he passed to help uh, Sidney Prescott in the case that the killer does come back because yes. because randy knows that he's going to keep coming he's seen enough franchises to know like what sort of events to expect and so he even says like it always comes back to the first one it comes back to the original there's something more there and so yeah it involves her mother um and it it, it has like a new nightmare kind of feel to it too because it's like more involved into the production of of, a, of one of the stab movies, which is remaking uh, or, or making a movie out of the events of actually what happens on screen. Um, and so it's kind of fun to hang out with like, um, like who, who's in there, uh, uh, why am I blanking on everybody's name? Uh, crap. Because we're getting older. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our, our, our brains are scrambled eggs now. Uh, but like the characters who play like the, the like Dewey and everything. Uh, what, what's her face from Days Confused? Oh, um, 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 oh my God. Parker Posey. Parker Posey, yeah. Yes. Playing Gail Weathers. Yes. Um, so yeah, there's just like all these like things, fun things. And they talk about rewriting the script and stuff like that. And so um the, the killer reveal probably doesn't it doesn't have the best impact out of all of them but it's still there's still some great stuff in it like when i watched it back i was like everybody who was shitting on this back then in the two that in 2000 needs to go back and watch it because i think there's some really great really great stuff in there so uh, well there's a there's a and there's a crazy amount of people in the third one like you've got scott foley you've got patrick dempsey you've got Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, you've got Patrick Warburton, Heather Matazzaro. Like, it's like, it's crazy the amount of people that are in this. Yeah. And I, rem I remember that soundtrack the most of all, because I don't know if I watched it the most, because at that time it was more appropriate for me to watch a rated R um, scary movie. And so I watched that one quite a bit. And so I remember like Creed having a song in there. Yeah. Um, the, the, then the score was Marco Beltrami too. Yeah. So it was crazy. And then Scream 4 came 11 years later, which is the big one of the, you know, a big gap uh, between the last two. So Scream 4 in 2011. And it, of course, takes place a decade later. And if this were a real life story, this would probably how it would happen. You know, Sydney would write her memoirs and a book about it and go on a book tour and of course she would go back to where it all happened and that's what happens in scream four she's goes back to woodsboro and uh things start happening again and 
I think with four, I, I think it's running out of steam, but it still it still does its it still does well. What 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 do you think? Yeah, it does because it was um, man. I'm just like itching to describe the new one and this one because I feel like there's a lot of commonalities between four and five, and I think four does it better um, for for my taste at least. Um, and Kevin Williamson came back, he wrote the script. So like the beginning itself is really fun. Cause at that point they're doing like the whole like 22, 23 jump street thing that they do in uh, 22 jump street when they're showing all the sequels and like where. Right. Yeah. Out. Stab seven, stab yeah. six. Yeah. All so, that good it, stuff. yeah. So it's like uh, characters like watching the horror movie. I think uh, Anna Paquin and uh, somebody else. Kristen Bell. Kristen uh, Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah they're sitting on the couch watching the movie and they just finished it and they're commenting on it. And, and then one of them is the killer. It was like, stab five or whatever they do. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just like kept it fun. It kept you on your toes. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly the type of stuff that uh, if it's going to be meta and not wear out its meta-ness, I think that it found the perfect time to do that. And I think at this point with five, it's the meta-ness is kind of worn out a little bit and it just feels like a lot of the stuff that they bring up um, where they're talking about, well, this is like what happens in reboots and this is how we should uh, behave and uh, observe our surroundings. Um, and so it did that in the fourth one and that made it uh, kind of fun and exciting. So I, I quite like the fourth one. Um, a bit and it does bring uh it goes back to the original and has the legacy characters and uh helping out the new characters and so there, there was a playfulness playfulness to it that still made it uh enjoyable um so yeah there's that there's, there's four and so now the first movie the first big movie of 2022 is scream five uh or five cream <laughs> i like that better uh and i actually didn't see the movie but uh preston did and i know preston and i were super 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 psyched to see it um and uh he got the chance to and i am very curious on that take because i i like when a movie you know it's, it's been 11 years since four and it seems like they're really going back like a Halloween type of style and kind of trying to reboot it or tie things up whatever way. Uh, and is it because since it's been released, there have been people who just absolutely love it, think it's the best thing in the world. And then there's people that think like, uh, it really wasn't that good. It's still fun and whatever, but it's really not great. So I tend to, even though I haven't seen it, my expectations are low for this. I ended up somewhere around the middle with it. I think it's, to me, it's the worst one of the franchise, but it's not a bad, bad movie. I think it's uh, what I wrote. I gave it three out of five, very soft three out of five. Um, Cause I still found myself enjoying a lot of things that were happening. There were some things that happened in it that I thought were really cool and unique. And that I thought they should have focused a little more on that. There's uh, more legacy characters in there than uh, that are on the poster. Uh, I'll say that. Um, and so I, uh, I liked some of the ties. I think it's a little too, you know, uh, you know, 
I love the Harry Potter franchise, but like when you see the epilogue and you're like, oh, all the characters in the original have just had babies at the same time. And so their <laughs> kids are all going in the same time, going, get on the train at the same time. Um, and so I was like, that's not how the real world works. Like you know, somebody has a kid now, somebody get that five years later. So there's just like things like that where like they're tying some of the characters in there a little too hard that I took me out of it a little bit. Um, but I would say this one is the most, has a emotional thing going on between two sisters that's uh, fairly strong, even though it feels artificially packaged to me a little bit, where it's just like desperate to make you feel something. But um, there, uh, Nev Campbell has like nothing to do at all. Um, is, do they is she the main character of the movie kind of or is she just there to, to be the face like she's been through every movie she's the face and then she shows up at the end what so um uh david arquette is like the mvp he has the most to do um so he he is worth he's the reason why you should see it for sure i think um because I, I, because you haven't seen it, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. But I think what the killers end up being is kind of like, mm, uh, it just didn't have the the weight to it where it felt. Let, it, let, it, I'm it gonna, I'm meat. gonna take a guess. Can I take a guess on where it's going? Okay, sure. Let's see. I wanna, I wanna say that in this fifth screen movie, the killers are somehow related to the original killers. Do you want my answer or no? <laughs> yeah, I definitely want your answer. Yeah, because that's what I, I mean. I, I've only seen a trailer for it. And if I guess it just makes sense because like who, I mean, are we doing a copycat thing again? Or are they going to try to bring it around to the original and somehow, you know, Matthew I'm Willard. I'm here to and, take care of daddy's business. Yeah, yeah, Skeet Ulrich somehow had a kid or a relative or something like that. And uh they grew up and now they're trying to go after sydney again or townspeople or people in school i don't know something like that okay super mild spoilers for those who haven't seen it but um no and but ski Ulrich does have a child in it and uh but it is the good character oh well okay you're not you're you're not you're not swerving me, are you? You're not working me, are you? No, that's one hundred percent the truth. And you find that out pretty quickly. I think it's like the first 15, 20 minutes, and then like Skeet pops up, uh, looking almost exactly the same, but he's he's still he's dead, but it's a ghost. Oh, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> Skeet Ulrich doesn't age like Paul Rudd. No, they they did some stuff to his face, but he looks pretty much the same. Okay, okay. Oh not, my! Not, not like if they brought uh, uh, Randy back. Who does so they, not look like <laughs> no, he doesn't look. I yeah, I trust me. I know he looks like Grizzly Adams, but uh, but Skeet Ulrich. So they did a Force Ghost Star Wars style. Yeah, but it worked. <laughs> it, 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 I was nervous about it. I was like, ah, oh, damn. But the way that they handle it, it was handled with grace. Um, okay, so, good, good, good. So, so that, that's all I'll say. Okay. All I, right. That that is the aspect that I wish they would have leaned into a little bit more. Okay. All right. I see. I see. Uh, and, and, and the writing, it just doesn't have that uh, Kevin Williamson 
sharpness to it um, that I was wanting. Uh, there, there's a point, like the first 15 minutes or so, it just, it doesn't have it. And then it starts to have it a little bit when they when they have a character that's like in place for Randy, that's doing the whole uh, legacy rules, uh, legacy sequel type of thing. And they're commenting all that. Um, where I was like, okay, this is where it's coming all in, but it just, I'm, I was like, but if you look at this conversation along with the whole expositional dump in the fourth one, they're not that different. Do you so, think, do you think Wes Craven would be happy with this? I think he would be. It does seem like what, if he made the fifth one, this is what it would end up being. Um, but I think the problem with it overall is that as we were alluding to earlier with like, uh, you know, we've seen so many of these kinds of movies since then that we know where to look for things and um, like that joke's already been said or that things are already been said. And so it's just like, we've reached this point where it's like the smartness of the film is not quite ahead of the audience anymore. Right. We're, we're kind of ahead of it. Like uh, the, the type of conversations, because like the first, uh, the opening, cold opening, they're talking about elevated, elevated horror, or they're talking about Midsommar and Hereditary and they bring all these movies in. And, um, so they're talking about the, the shift in time, but it just didn't feel any different from like the comments that we see on Reddit or have on Twitter. Okay. And so it's just like, oh, I've had these conversations with my friends. We talk about it on podcasts. So it just doesn't seem like it's ahead because at the time that the, the original four were coming out, especially the first three, uh, it could just have those, it could be smart and be ahead of the curve and have those comments. And it could be like, as a viewer watching it, like, oh, hmm. yeah, yeah, I thought that, but it's not written in ink anywhere. Yeah. Now the internet's in ink. And it's everywhere, every comment, every thought. And so I just feel like we've reached a point where it's the same shtick and we need something new. Yeah, Matt, I hear you, man. I, I hear you. I, I hope, did, did it leave it open for a sequel? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, they, I mean, they have new characters um, too. So I think it's in a position where it could pass, it could pass the torch and it'd be fine and it can work. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the people who do it, um, how, how they do it, but um, yeah. Okay. It, it can happen. So uh, before we wrap this podcast up, where can everybody watch Scream physically? Like, uh, like not just the fifth one, but are there Blu-rays, are there 4Ks out? There are Blu-rays. Uh, there's a 4K of the first screen that's available. So you can watch the first one in 4K, which is it's a good 4K. Um, and then you can buy it. This is how I do it. If you, you want to catch up and you don't want to hop around all the different, because I think you can, I think it's Paramount Plus. You can watch them. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So if you have that, but otherwise you can go on like Voodoo and you can buy a bundle package and you mm -hmm. can watch them all that way. Um, that's how I did it. Um, so that, that, that's your best bet. Uh, or if you still have them on VHS, like I do, uh, uh, dust that off and watch it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, we are my bloody podcast. That's episode 99. We are going to get to episode 100 
And we are going to have a fantastic 100th episode. Uh, we're going to have guests on it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that scream, uh, presence, always wonderful doing these with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always feel like I got so much to say when, cause we, it's been so much time. There's so much right. space in between that we're like, ah. but, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's good because we were doing this weekly and uh, we, it, even at weekly, we had so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because because yeah i mean we would dedicate so much time to the news and everything and uh there's always so much going on in the horror genre that uh to report about and and so i mean we could talk for 24 hours straight about things that are happening this year yes 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 uh we could but we we will be back in the next two or so weeks with the hundredth episode and we can't wait um you can find you you know where to find this podcast you're listening uh Preston, where can they find you? I'm most active on Instagram. Handle is Blu-ray Dad. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Preston Barta. You can find my writing on the DittonRC.com, which is for the Ditton Record Chronicle. But if you follow me on Instagram, you can go to my LinkedIn. You can find everything that I do. That's the quickest way to go about it. Uh, and I'm a features editor at Fresh Fiction TV. And I hope to have some new Blu-ray reviews and 4K reviews and all kinds of shiny new goodness on IDEF Digest. Yes, yes, yes. So go check him out. And of course, I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at High Def Digest, Boomstick Comics, YouTube, all of the places above, Instagram, Twitter. I'm Brian Kluger. Just type my name in. I'm there. I'm posting stuff. It's great. Thank you for listening to my bloody podcast. We love you. Love you.